You are listening to the Dark Corner Podcast with DJ Evil Dave and Starfleet International Lieutenant Randy Jacob. Hello, everybody. It's me, Hi. DJ Evil Dave, and that right there is Brandy. Hi. I jumped the gun. She did. I am very tired. Uh, normally, you'd be doing the Unready Room today, this evening. Yeah. Well, it would have been done by now, yeah. but um, I sound like I'm stuffed up, too. You had that triple sneeze earlier. Yeah. Spring has sprung, and fuck it right in the ear hole. <laughs> yeah, it's already. We've got the itchy eyes and the sneezing and the itchy throat and... Yeah, I, I'm not tired because I've done a lot of shit. I'm tired because I didn't sleep well last night. Right. And uh, and yesterday was really busy, and there's a cat. Yeah, we have a sofa. cat with us, too, that's having a lounge. He is so happy right now. Such a happy cat. Except yep. he's going to try, gonna try to bite. Going to try to bite. He's like, oh, we're playing. We're yeah. playing, huh? Yeah, he just showed his belly at me. <laughs> <laughs> now he's gonna go away well that was fun while it lasted yeah well it's, he's he'll be back going into the kitchen where his food is brandy's yawning because that's how tired she is Ooh, you could have just let that go and edited it out and no Don't. one would ever know yeah but now we have a now we have a bit about it so. in in-house recorded yawn yeah yeah things yeah, things. Speaking of things, shall we talk about some things? Let's talk about some things. It's been things. a little while since we talked about things together. Things and like stuff. Like a month. Yeah. Um, has it been a month? I guess it has. Yeah, pretty I'm much. I'm so sorry. Do release three episodes a month. That's my fault. No, you're just busy with other things other star trek podcasts and shows and stuff yeah well so getting you on is a is a trick <laughs> being a guest on my own podcast yeah, a guest is just on your own too podcast. much for me yeah well it's just the way it's happened you've become very busy with the star trek podcasting well it's not just that i'm just busy yeah, with busy work. with work and it sucks all the life out of me you need that one day to decompress which is tomorrow yep i gotta have my sunday off yep if Sunday I fun day. Yeah, if I don't, it becomes very bad for everyone around me. And even then, we do pick up groceries and put them away and yeah. have our special breakfast. Let's see, there it goes again. Yeah, yep, she's no, yawning again. There's no sleeping in on Sundays. It's a good thing you're doing the main topic, because if it was me, you'd probably fall asleep. I would not be able to stay awake. Nope. Hand to God. Would not yeah. be able, to, if I believed in God. Hand to God. <laughs> hand not, to gods. I would, hand to the hand gods. Hand to gods and monsters. Um, which is probably something I should add to our movie list. No. Oh. I have never seen it, and I hear it's very good. What? Gods and monsters. Gods and monsters. Yeah. I still want to watch Nightmare Alley. Yeah, we still haven't seen that. Still, we mm. and we both like noir. 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 Because she's got people we like in it. Yes, it does. Like oh, shall we like get it. right into news and reviews? News and reviews! All right, do we even have any news? Um, 
Anything worth mentioning? Or is it all straight up reviews? <laughs> her agenda fell down. She put on a pillow and it slid down and got her yeah, side. I, I, don't, I can't think of any news. Yeah, I don't really have any news. I mean, the news, everybody knows the news, but... As for news, news, I can't really think of anything. Okay, offhand. cool, 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 cool. cool. Uh, so reviews. Do you want to go? Do you I want to go? Yeah, are we both going? We talk about what in the hell are we talking about? I wrote it down. I can't remember. Okay, well then let's just talk about twenty four hour party people because that's the most recent thing. Yeah, this has been a movie I've been meaning to see for a long while and just kept postponing it. And finally, Crackdown is like, okay, I think I'm in the mood to watch this kind of a comedy drama about Tony Wilson and Factory Records and just kind of the story of the Manchester music scene going over about, what, 20 years, you'd say? At least. Yeah, from 77. It seemed to be stretching into the 90s with with the big house music thing. DJs becoming a thing. Yeah, and that was a big 90s thing when you had, like, Fatboy Slim and such. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the story of uh, just this television presenter who was into the whole music scene, that famous Sex Pistols gig where pretty much the whole, what was there, only 42 people in the audience, I think less than that. Mm. And most of them ended up being in a band Mm -hmm. or involved in producing music. Because you had, what, Joy Division and all kinds of bands coming out of it. Their buzzcocks were there. But they weren't ready to play. They weren't ready to so play, they so they had so the play, Sex Pistols play. play. So here's the Sex Pistols. Yeah. I just have to say, okay. this is the most interesting movie I've seen in a long time. Because you're just like, okay, this is very meta mm-hmm. and a documentary sort of style yep. thing at the same time. Steve Coogan, you know I love me some Steve Coogan. Right. And he is absolutely fucking brilliant <laughs> in this film. Yep. He is so good that you can't even, you just stop thinking of him as Steve Coogan. He's just Tony Wilson. Yep. He breaks the fourth wall often as if he's, it's like they filmed his autobiography. You know, it's like the book and they just put that up on screen Mm -hmm. even how he's talking about him being a minor character in his own movie because it's really about the manchester music scene yes which was very important to him was it the happy mondays were the ones that lost a battle of bands and he signed them yep (laughs) yep (laughs) signed them to factory records (laughs) yeah but they don't didn't really have contracts yeah. Except for the one he wrote in his own he blood. He wrote in his own blood. And even that, they address that some of this is printing the legend and not yeah. what actually happened. Actual band members and he himself appears in the film cleaning a sink in a in a bathroom. Because they talk about the factory, you know, nightclub, dance club, as well as the hacienda and how much that expense was. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how accurate they got the 70s vibe the clothing the hair the makeup the cars it was so good even the way they filmed it was really grainy that way they could splice in actual footage Mm -hmm. from some of the concerts and just have them work together every once in a while there'd be like some rear projection type stuff that was like obviously fake but it works for what they were presenting because it fit the tone of the time yes whoever they got to play Ian Curtis was like incredible. The intensity on this guy and the way he'd even do the 
motions while dancing and the way he gripped the microphone and he just stare. Mm-hmm. It, it was uncanny. Yeah. I'm going to find that guy's name. Please. Yeah. Because we've actually seen him in other things. We just didn't realize it because he's so good at inhabiting a yes, character. Yes, he just melded into that role. I mean, his physical appearance wasn't like spot on. You know, he didn't have the kind of dark circles under the eye kind of look, but just the intensity. And the, his physicality. His physicality, yeah. He's very tall, very lanky like Ian was. Yeah. Even Christopher Eccleston had a cameo. Yeah, he played what the Boethius. the philosopher, yeah. the unhoused philosopher that was talking about the will, the great will of fortune. Sean Harris is the Sean guy who Harris played, played him. Ian Curtis. Yep. Would you like to know some of the other things he's been in? Sure. Well, there was, of course, Mission Impossible Fallout, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Lots of British stuff. Not really a surprise there. Yeah, British actors just appearing in everything. My word. Yeah, working actor. This guy's been in fucking everything in <laughs> yeah. England. Yeah, this was a pretty major role for him, though, too. You know, to yeah. be the lead singer of Joy Division. Well, as far as... Oh, and he was in The Green Knight, but I never saw it, never wanted to. And I so. loved when that journalist came up and was accusing them of being fascists for having this Nazi-related name. It's like, don't you understand anything about art and ironic naming? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. We've seen him in a couple of Mission Impossible movies, which makes me want to go back and watch those because I'm just like, I don't remember you. Yeah, they're good action films, the later so, ones anyway. Yeah, everything after three is fun. Yeah. Everything before three can go fuck itself. Mm. Oh, God. What? He was in Prometheus. He was, yeah. That, oh, he was probably the geologist, now I'm thinking about it. Yeah. was the one that goes, I love rocks. I don't remember. It's like, I don't who know. wrote this movie? He's kind of a chameleon. Yeah. He's actually a ginger. So, which I never would have guessed. But, you know, he, he's, he's definitely a ginger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's that intensity in the eyes. Yes. Yeah, I've can. seen him in other things as well. I could see him as being like an analyst in the Mission Impossible films. Yeah, he really is a chameleon. And yep. he is good at playing intense roles. He's been in Shakespeare stuff. No surprise. Of course. It's probably... Um, Part of that whole Royal Shakespeare Academy thing that a lot of the British actors are involved in. Yeah. He'd probably be, like, here, unrecognizable. Oh, yeah. Absolutely oh, yeah. unrecognizable. Some kind of medieval type film? Yeah. I don't know. It's probably The Green Knight. Yeah. Oh, that would, would make sense. Oh, my God. He's that guy from Mission Impossible. <laughs> she shows me an image. No, he's he was, like an assassin kind of guy. No, he or was something. the crazy one. Right. Remember that was so good that stopped them at every turn and they put them in this him in this box basically underground. Right. That, that where he couldn't get out and yeah, he was wow. That's why he was so fucking familiar. He's oh, yeah, so his, good. Well, you see him as a blonde, you see him as a ginger, you see him with like darker hair, you know, brunette. Yeah. And it does kind of change his look. He's got a good face for for changing his appearance. He, Especially he, if he can wear facial hair in different ways, which he seems to do. He, he tried to make Rebecca Ferguson kill herself. <gasps> right. He, he had a hold of her, and she was... Yeah, she got her revenge. <laughs> it took her a couple movies to do it, but yeah. she did it. 
Oh, there was even the little bit where it seemed like Robert Smith was coming in to replace Ian Curtis at Joy Division. Because <laughs> they were going to like hold auditions or something. And it's like, no, nah, New Order is just going on without him. Yeah. You know, just become a whole different band. The then, uh, the authenticity for even that actor yeah. was just like, are you kidding yep. me? <laughs> you guys are nailing this. Was it spent two years on some place recording a new album? An unrecognizable Andy Circus. Right, as the uh, the music producer. Yeah. Martin. Martin. Yeah. He's getting heavier and heavier, and when he <laughs> finally died, they had this coffin that wasn't going to fit the grave. Yeah. The tone's interesting in this because they're talking about some pretty dark stuff because there's a lot of, you know, suicide and drug abuse and just, I mean, even the rise of fascism within mm-hmm. the punk scene and how depressed Manchester was at the time. You know, mm-hmm. this is Thatcher's Britain. So the thing about the canals and <laughs> 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 speaking to the canal worker it's like, he, he even worked in the last century. It's like, when did you start? 1900. And he's like, ugh, rolling his eyes like, that's not the last century. That's the start of this century. <laughs> well, technically, is it, though? Because it's not really the yeah, start it's, of the century yeah, until 1901. Right. So you end on the round number. Yes. So zero would be the end of the century. So yeah. he'd just clip it. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, Susan Banshees, The Jam... There's quite a few bands that they reference, and of course the whole DJ scene, mm-hmm. where it became about the music itself and not just the band. Yeah, a lot of weird shit. Yeah, a lot of crazy shit. Yes, yes, it was. It was yeah, mostly about Joy Division and the Happy Mondays. That was like the two main like halves of the film. Yeah, it was really well done. Yeah. I would recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> if you have any interest at all in seeing a lot of famous British people that you would mm-hmm. recognize from other things, and the Manchester music scene and the rise of Joy Division yep. and whatnot, just, just and, go watch. 24-hour party people. And even the drug scene, the ecstasy. Oh, God, yes. Uh, so the much. skanking. So many drugs. <laughs> that the drug dealer got up on stage and just danced with the band and... Ta-da! was so weird. Basically started skanking. Get your dealer to go up there and dance with you. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's not a member of the band, but there he is, being a member of the band. Yeah. Uh, and the gun problem in Manchester with all the dealers. Yeah. Because that's how they do business, is they wouldn't outsell you or undercut you. they just remove the competition. Uh, what's next on the agenda? There was another Mystery Science Theater 3000 event last week right and it was a tribute to manos the hand hands of uh, the fate. hands of fate manos, manos the, the hands, hands of, of fate. fate it was basically the original mystery science theater 3000 episode but they intercut it with bits with jonah and the bots mm-hmm. and also with pearl and cynthia <laughs> yeah they do extra bits plus they'd have ad breaks that they would yeah. read. That's what Pearl and Cynthia were doing. Yeah. But they were all people who had backed the Kickstarter. Yep. And this was a special preview that only the backers got to see. And they you know, were warning, yeah, not everything might be in its final form yet. Mm-hmm. There are some things that might be rough. The sound might not be up to what you normally hear, that sort of thing. So it was really a lot of fun. It was. It's been a while since I've seen the original episode 
of Manos, you know, the original MST3K episode. And boy, those riffs still strike hard. The Riff Tracks version is not edited. Right. Because they can do the whole movie, you know, because they don't have bits. Right. Except when they do their live shows, but they don't interrupt the movie. Yeah, they don't interrupt the movie to do bits like they do in MST3K. They'll do a short beforehand, but... So when they riff that, I'm like, I haven't seen this stuff before because there's really so much more fighting between the women. Like, yeah, it goes on physically, forever. There's so, so much. <laughs> and there's this whole scene with the blonde that he's going to sacrifice because she said they shouldn't kill the kid. Yep. Um, there's You actually see her death scene and you see him beating the crap out of her and stuff like that it's not well done it's basically just a lot of bitch slapping yeah there's a lot of stuff in there that you don't see in the mystery science theater 3000 version but it was so epic that episode made history and then they had an interview afterwards with the woman who played debbie the little girl in the movie yep and the guy who what he wasn't manos manos was the god he was serving when he never had a name the master was all he was the master that was her dad yep (laughs) And her dad knew the guy who wrote and directed and played (laughs) her dad. And just, it was all a bunch of people from their theater troupe. It was really, it was really fun. And And it was a lot of it to showcase the area of Texas where they were filming. Yeah. So that's why all the long shots of driving places. Yeah, wasn't it El Paso? Yeah, I think it might have been El Paso. Paso. Uh, Master will not approve. (laughs) Torgo. Yeah. So it was, uh, it, that was a lot of fun. It was a fun evening. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to talk about a video game. Please do. Because it's a video game. It's actually a PlayStation 5 video game, which I don't have many of yet. Ah. Because there aren't a lot of ones yet that t- truly interest me. <laughs> t- t- truly? To do truly, to truly. I'm just still waiting for the next installment of Final Fantasy VII Remake. But yep. um, this one is fun. It's it's actually a Bethesda game. Okay. In, in conjunction ju- with... Interesting. I can't remember this. The other company, but they're Japanese. Right. So this is a very <laughs> Japanese game. But it, you can put on the English um, voices. Right. Uh, or you could listen to it in Japanese and just read the subtitles. But I prefer to have the English dub in this case. With the sound there, I'm, I'm hearing some familiar voices too. Anyway, the game starts with you waking up from being dead. <laughs> oh, boy, that sounds a lot like Disco Elysium. <laughs> no, no, you were actually dead. <laughs> yeah, and this one you just wished you were. Yeah, and... Uh, because another dead guy is like, I need a body. I can't. I can't do it with a living body. Oh, this guy should work and jumps into our main character's body. And um, yeah, wackiness ensues. There's this big guy in a mask who's not not big guy, but big as in the head guy, not mm-hmm. gigantic. And he's uh, he's going to remake the city of Tokyo, I guess. I don't really understand all of his plans yet. Mm-hmm. There's this fog that he sends out that if it hits you, you just disappear. Oh. And only your clothes are left behind. So all throughout the streets of... Well, I'm in Shibuya at the moment, but there's just people's just clothes. Clothing just littered like everywhere. fell down and just melted into the pavement. Wow. 
And then, uh, you know, because this uh, guy is now inside the main character, he can use the magic he already had to help fight these creatures that are coming and taking the spirits away. They literally just hold them in place with some sort of energy beam and then put this box around them that looks like the element configuration from Hellraiser. Wow. And they, and that just, it just disappears. And this guy, this head guy is like, he's, he's their salvation. I'm like, huh. I don't think you're saving them though. <laughs> I really don't think so. Yeah. So your main character has to go find his sister first off, which, you know, it's fun having two people in one body. Always a good time fighting with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first place we get to go is a creepy hospital. Yay! <laughs> oh, one of your favorite <laughs> settings for a horror game. Actually, it, I was really pleased. I'm like, thank you. I love a creepy yep. hospital. I love a creepy game. And this game has some Silent Hills level of freakouts. Yeah. Like when I'm trying to get to the sister... And we have to keep taking all these detours because they're trying to keep us from get to her, getting to her and whatnot. And then they'll be, you'll be walking along and all of a sudden you're in a different environment. It startles you every time. Right. And then the halls are filled with fire and yeah. there's my sister at the end of the hall and she bursts into flames. <laughs> it's so like, it's yeah. like Silent Hill, but even more dreamlike in that you're changing locations, not just the way it's designed. Yeah. Well, and that's the same as uh, happening in in Silent Hill. Right. You're literally changing from one yeah. world to another. But it becomes so. like alternate Silent Hill in which yeah. you're in the same location, but there's like chain link fences yeah. and mm-hmm. there's blood everywhere. From yeah. what it sounded like, you're it was like a whole new location. Like maybe you're walking through this hospital and you open a door or step out and you're like in a park or something. Yeah, well, not exactly. There... Like, when we finally get to her room and open the door, all of a sudden it's just this big barren area and we're standing in a pool of water. Right. And all you can see is this shallow pool of water for as far as the eye can see. Oh, yeah. Except for her hospital bed. Right. So it is Silent Hill-like because there are moments like that where yeah. you'll be suddenly in a cemetery mm-hmm. that's in the basement of a building. And you're like, yeah. how, how is this a thing? Yeah, and of course you get to do things and level up and do side quests and whatnot. The side quests, there's there's a lot of helping people who haven't actually crossed over because they have some kind of unfinished business. Is there anything more Japanese than that? Right. Um, and it's just, it's beautiful to look at. It's freaky as fuck. Mm-hmm. It's funny at times. And it's just unlike anything I've ever played, really. Right. The game mechanics and stuff like that. And there are certain things that you have to purge the, the demon or evil spirit. And you can you actually use your controller to draw the symbol. It shows you this is the thing you have to draw. Now draw it. Mm-hmm. And so you get to draw it. And, nice. And then banish it. And it's just... Um, That's a very Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, it is kind of Full Metal Alchemist in that regard, which is also very Japanese. Yeah. So I'm I'm enjoying that. I've got to remember I don't have to press on the fucking trigger buttons that hard. Ah. So because I'm just like suck out the core. Because once you oh let's talk about the ghosty sort of things that aren't really ghosties that will come and attack you. Okay, ghosts okay. that aren't ghosts that come and attack you. There's some sort of evil spectral entity that are from this 
asshole who's doing this. Which, by the way, he takes the sister because she's touched the other side, but she's still alive, and so he needs her. Wow, a lot of this sounds like a really dark, twisted version of Bleach. Mm, in a way, but not really. Yeah. Seems so, souls in the afterlife. and Yeah, yeah. but not. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think in Bleach they put people in the mint configurations. But, no, no, they don't. <laughs> but there's there are these tall men in suits that remind me of the men from Hush, the Buffy the, the Vampire the gentlemen. episodes. The gentlemen. Except they don't have faces. They're the same color, though. I guess they're kind of Slenderman-like. And they can, they walk really fast once they see you. Oh. And they're often carrying umbrellas. Mm. And you can sneak up behind them and just, with one hit, void them out of existence. Oh, kind of like it when you have that one blade tool in Death Stranding and mm-hmm. you cut their cord. Yeah. A lot like that. It's far more graphic than just cutting an umbilical of a, of a spirit. But yep. yeah, there's lady uh, spirits who are, you know, more prim, proper, flirty ladies that uh, blow... They'll blow a kiss at you, but they send out these toxic orbs that if they hit you will cause you damage. Then there are the headless uh, cheerleaders. They are terrifying and annoying as fuck. Mm. I'm trying to think if there are any others yet. I'm sure that there will be more. Generally, the boss battles consist of you having to purge whatever entity is causing the problem in this area you're investigating. It takes you to another one of those weird areas where it's all water but you're in a confined area and it's just enemy after enemy coming at you mm-hmm. the fun thing is is if i can hit enough of the slenderman gentlemen uh with my wind power i have wind power and fire power so far and then i can suck out their cores uh very you know in one go because basically you'll get to the point where you've hit them enough that uh, you can pull out the demon core or whatever the fuck it is. The I demon don't core. Really know. <laughs> like that idea is like the demon it's like core. taking the core out of an apple. Yeah, and that actually helps uh, regenerate your attack points and all that sort of oh, stuff. That's nice. It's fun. It's beautiful. I can talk to cats. There are cats. There are there are literally yokai cats running shops. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> part of the Japanese folklore is that. Certain cats like the Bacaneco are instruments of death. Mm. And so they kind of walk that, that veil, you know, between life and death. I Necromancy. To, yeah. I had to chase a creepy doll. Mm-hmm. Turned out the creepy doll I was chasing was not the creepy doll. The oh. doll I was chasing was actually the doll that uh, this kid had that he was trying to get rid of because it was evil and cursed. It wasn't actually, it had his sister's soul in it, but he didn't know it. And she was protecting him from the real evil doll. Okay. Which you end up finding by following her trail and then purging Wow. Yeah, it's weird, wild shit, and it's just so fun. I'm (laughs) having a really good time. It's a very surreal take, very Silent Hill take on Mm -hmm. horror. Yep. Yeah, I'm on my third playthrough of Disco Elysium. And how are you loving it? This game is like custom made for me because it's all about surreality and economics and philosophy. And it's just Mm -hmm. crazy. It's all internal monologue. So it's very introverted. Yeah. It's, It's very internalized because, you know, you play this detective that wakes up drink from drinking himself into an amnesiac state. 
and you have to rebuild your personality as you solve this case. And so you're finding out about the world around you, and the world building is so elaborate. And it's interesting. It's not mm. like how it was with Mass Effect, where you'd pick up some kind of file on something. It's like, well, I don't want to really read this. <laughs> Death Stranding's a little bit like that, too. I mean, you could read the emails, or you could just skip them. No, you read the emails. Yeah. You always read the emails. Yeah. This you... one is just fascinating. I mean, all you have to do is open the email. You yeah. don't have to actually read it. Well, it's talks about the coalition government and the revolution and the police force and the labor union and all this stuff and just the history of this area and just about everybody meets a racist mm. uh, well it is a weird time period yeah. yeah and i've seen this game get criticized for being sexist with its opinion of women but i think it's reflected in how the women are treated in that world mm. it's not like something from the author i mm -hmm. think it's something from the world right. is how women are are treated and even right now my guy's a feminist see i haven't played it as much as you yep. have but from what i have played it seems to me like this is in a very early time period yeah it feels and looks kind of like 1930s yes but then they address things like computers like disco like rock and roll things that came after that period that's why it's so weird so it's very otherworldly and you do eventually run into some kids that are into this I forget what they call it anondic but it's like this futuristic electronic music mm -hmm. they're basically bringing in like trance and ebm and probably more in the area of trance where it's just like eight hours of the same track being played over and over again. yeah <laughs> and you know you try to get them into this church that they want to convert into a nightclub kind of thing you know dance club so that's a side mission you can do but yeah i had just recently playing it today i was already a feminist because you can unlock these thought processes and that's how you interact with the world will trigger it. Mm -hmm. Like if you do something or say something communistic, you can choose to develop the thought process of a communist. And I've got that going right now, too. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I did something that would trigger fascism. And, it, and the fascism alerts you by having your stomach growl because <laughs> it's like this deep, primal might makes right kind of philosophy mm. and it noticed that i was already a feminist and it was like well this is incompatible you're gonna have to forget that you're a feminist if you want to be a fascist it's like that makes sense because look to the people who talk about the importance of masculinity and male role models and stuff like that and how men are being emasculated and stuff and look at their politics and look at the things that they're criticizing and you'll it doesn't take much to peel back that veil to show that, yeah, it's fascism. Uh -huh. I still say it is the most unique game I've ever it played. It is incredibly unique. And yeah, I'm on my third playthrough. Kim just left me, my partner from a different district, because I had fully examined the body. And this is the first time I managed to do that because it's apparently very difficult. Mm. <laughs> There are certain details you might miss. Mm -hmm. And Kim's like, well, yeah, we've got this. I'm going to take this body back to the precinct and, and get this processed. So I'll be back in about eight hours to wrap things up because we still have to find the killer. But we know dun, how dun, dun. the body was killed. 
Right. So, yeah, I really enjoy it. It does crash on occasion, so I have to remember to save frequently. Because uh-huh. I'll just be in the middle of a conversation talking to some lorry driver and it'll suddenly crash. Yeah, that's one nice thing about Ghostwire Tokyo is that you can set an autosave feature. I set mine at the, the absolute minimum time, which is five minutes. So every five minutes that game is saving itself. So if anything gets fucked up, I lost five minutes. Yes maximum every once in a while disco elysium will autosave and it seems to be based on a time thing as well Mm. because sometimes it will autosave it's like why now so it's like after i complete something pretty major i'll save it or before i do something because it has this internal system like a lot of role-playing games do that's you know based on the tabletop role-playing and that you'd roll two die six to determine whether you succeed or fail Mm. at a task and it'll show you the die roll on screen so you know i have these two sixes come up or two ones or you know any other number in between an eight and determine with your bonuses whether you made that check or not so i think it rolls then adds your number to it and then it has a difficulty modifier that you have to succeed at and it'll give you even the percentages or rank the difficulty and there's some that i succeeded at that i didn't expect to like the guy called major head who is a racist and is on top of the harbor gate that protecting oh, that guy. the button yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you can either choose to accept his racist ideology or you can beat him up or you can find some sneaky way into the harbor and if you get your physical instrument, which they basically call your strength up high enough, you can defeat him. And I managed to make that check when it was, I think, below 50%. Wow. I just happened to luck out into punching him in the throat, which is your favorite thing. Yeah, I do love a punch in the throat. And then basically spin kicking him. Very nice. Yeah. This game is something. It is crazy. It is at times very surreal, weird. And they recommend a lot of people who've played this game, and I've heard reviews from several people that the first time you play through, play as your personality or try to yes. as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And then on other playthroughs, kind of experiments. You know, you can unlock those achievements by doing different personality types. Like right now, I'm a sorry cop. Because <laughs> every options to say I'm sorry, you can unlock an achievement by saying sorry so many times. And of course, the game notices that. And hey, we've just determined what kind of cop you are. You're a sorry <laughs> cop. And you go, I'm sorry? And it's like, see? We told you. That's great. Yeah, you're, you're an apologetic cop. You just go around apologizing to everybody. It's like, well, I should, considering what I did before I woke up. But yeah, I really do enjoy this game. I'm glad. Oh, Dungeons and Daddies is doing a new season. Yes, they are. So I recommend you listen to that if you're into actual play, role-playing games, Dungeons and Dragons. It's a bit different well, than yeah. what they're doing this time. They're kind of aiming for almost like one-shots each time, but with the same characters. It's just the way the campaign's designed, that it's it's like episodic rather than like long-form narrative. Yeah, I don't think that the episodic thing will last. Yeah, probably not. Eventually, they're going to land on something that's going to be more long-term. Yeah, because their ultimate goal is to find their dads. Yeah, so eventually they're going to have to open that 
big door and go after their dads. But at the moment, it is very much kind of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but a bit more updated because this is taking place in the future. In a very odd future. Mm. It's, it's the future that people that would created video game high school would have come up with. Yeah, which is them. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Where you have this pork pie hat wearing survivalist anime fan be the popular kid in school. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, in what universe would that happen? Well, in my universe, but... <laughs> yeah. But, and I yeah. really like how he's playing uh, Taylor Swift as well. Yes, I'm still annoyed with the names. Yep. But Yeah, because... Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Freddie Wong, and he likes to take these names that could be any gender. Mm-hmm. Like Glenn Close was his previous character. Yes. Now it's Taylor Swift. It's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. They're really finding your their feet. Uh-huh. In, in any new campaign, the first few episodes, for lack of a better yep. word. I mean, obviously you're listening to a podcast, so it's episodes. But I mean, just in playing in general... It takes a little time for you to figure out how you're going to play your character, Mm -hmm. how you're going to interact with the other characters. I mean, everybody's just (laughs) kind of in the same place in that way, so. Yeah, it sounds like they had several episode zeros that just didn't click, Mm -hmm. and then when they landed on how they wanted to play the characters, it's like, yeah, this is it. This is the dynamic. With Beth May playing Scary scary Marlowe. Yep. Little baby bat. Mm Mm-hmm. Little baby bed. Yep. So it's a lot of fun. Should listen to it. Really, the, the role playing, the D&D aspect of it is so in the background that you practically don't notice it. It's more like improv that they're doing. Yes. Every once in a while, they might make a skill check of some sort or another. All role playing games are improv. Yeah. But every once in a while, you have to have the dice choose your fate. Yep. And... That would be interesting for improv, too. Yep. <laughs> Just it's not... like, do you succeed in this choice? Roll the die. Okay, you made an interesting choice here. Let's see if that works. <laughs> Truth or lie? <laughs> you just said you're very wealthy, are you? Okay, shall we get into the dark track? Dark track since we talked about 24 hour party people and joy division i found a cover of a joy division song it's atmosphere and in 24 hour party people this plays while the funeral for ian curtis takes place they have him in the coffin and his grandmother's there and tony wilson comes in and says that he what the che guevara of rock and roll <laughs> Music or Che Guevara of music, I think he said, mm. is lying right there in that coffin. Because, yeah, that created post-punk, was Joy Division. Yep. And so this song plays in that scene. And this is a version done by the Berlin-based gothic rock band Golden Apes. And you can pretty much tell it's a German gothic rock band by the vocals because it's deep and sonorous as you get with a lot of German vocalists. So here is Golden Apes with Atmosphere. Atmosphere. 
the nose cover yeah <laughs> not a whole lot of departures other than you know the the vocal style being somewhat different than you hear from ian curtis yeah well see i don't like it when they go really far off the grid just mm. to do it you know yeah where it it's becomes like, i'm gonna cover this yeah. and make it sound completely unrecognizable <laughs> yeah. uh, well how about you don't bother or when it just becomes so bland that it's just girl whispering in a closet somewhere cover of some song oh god i hate that yeah that's in every 
movie now. Yeah, stop fucking whispering. Also, <laughs> hire altos. Write songs for altos. Yep. I'm so sick of everybody singing up here. Please get some women it's in your, there with deep voices. PJ Harvey's, your Jeanette Napolitano's, your just any alto, we, your we Chrissy ex- Hind. We Hind? exist. Chrissy Hind. Yeah, we exist yeah. and we're tired of being in the background. Fact, a lot of my favorite vocalists are altos. I think Kate Bush might be one too. Seems to sing kind of, although she's got some range. So. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, that's pretty much on the nose. It has the sweeping sound, the drums. Welcome to Dungeons and Daddies, sometimes a BDSM podcast, a actual play D&D podcast about four dads flung into the Forgotten Realms in the quest to rescue their lost sons. My name is Freddie Wong. I play Glenn Close, the bard rock star of the group. The only- <laughs> so formal. I know. No, this is like a, an evening with Dungeons and Daddies. <laughs> In the following essay, I'll explain how my dad is. My name is Matthew Arnold. I play Daryl Wilson, a stay-at-home coach dad who's now a barbarian in the Forgotten Realms. Hey, everyone. Hi. You might be wondering who I am. <laughs> I'm Will Campos. I play Henry Oak on this podcast. Henry Oak is a uh, granola crunching, Birkenstock rocking, hippie nature dad slash druid. Hi, Beth. How are you today? Hi, Will. I'm great. My name is Beth May, and I play Ron Stampler, emotionally detached stepfather who has recently become a little more emotionally attached. Yeah, I'm Anthony Birch. (laughs) Still. Every day I wake up, I look at the mayor. Still me, baby. Uh, I'm your daddy master. And uh, my daddy fact is, if you ever have the good fortune to to be on a podcast that gets a fan base going, make sure not to mention uh, sketches that you don't like. (laughs) (laughs) All right, shall we talk about the main topic? Let's talk about the main topic. Which I had suggested that we might talk about possibly in reviews, but we're going to do the main topic on this, which is the concert we recently attended. Yeah, well, not just the concert. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the people who put on the concert. Yes, my favorite acapella group, Straight No Chaser. Right. Pentatonix, you can suck it, because acapella means only voices. (laughs) And they'll occasionally do something to a backing track, won't they? frequently wow just go sample any one of their albums and they're annoying anyway yeah Yeah. straight note chaser has vocal percussion so yes even you know the singers are creating the music with their mouths yes now on their albums they they might have certain situations where they have done it with music a lot of times that has to do with having a guest artist right and whatnot. They originated in 1996 at Indiana University. 
there wasn't a men's acapella group. Mm. And so they formed their own. <laughs> That's what you do. A bunch of guys got together. Yeah. The original, the OG members, let's see here. Dan Ponce, Randy Stein, Charlie Meckling, Steve Morgan, Jerome Collins, Dave Roberts, Walter Chase, and Mike Itkoff. Did I say that right? Yes. Those are those are eight of the originals, and they have been... Some of them are still with the group. Yep. Even now. Yep. This is how they started. The other two founding members that I didn't mention, was it... Oh, Patrick Hackey. Their name was actually inspired, and I thought this might be true because it keeps coming up in searches, mm-hmm. was inspired by the title track of Thelonious Monk's 1967 album, Straight, comma, No Chaser. Oh, yeah, and which it is, is a drink reference. Yes, yeah. it's a conscious evocation of the popular American slang phrase often employed in requesting a drink. Yep. Vodka straight, no chaser. Yes. Their debut was at a 36-hour dance marathon. Oh, <laughs> wow. Huh. I'm sure they were not the only musical number. Yeah. Uh, that would suck if you had to... Do acapella for 36 hours? Oh, you die. You, it's lose not your possible. Voice. It's Polyps. not possible. Yeah. And the original members also performed at Chicago's Wrigley Field, Comiskey Park, and Navy Pier. They opened for Lou Rawls and toured the country playing even Carnegie Hall. Wow. The original 10 did remain together from 1996 until 1999 when new students were selected to replace the graduating members. You had to have been in the college group in order to move on to the touring group. Oh, yeah. Kind of like UCB. They recorded a video of themselves doing a comical version of the 12 Days of Christmas. Right. A song that you know well. Yes. (laughs) It went viral on YouTube. That's how they got a five-album record deal with the Atlantic Records wow. in 2008. Five albums under Atlantic? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's a heck of a record deal. And that video has been viewed over 24 million times. Ah, I can YouTube. believe it. Probably gets shared every Christmas. Yes. It's like, if you get a Christmas hit, that's what happened to Mariah Carey. She can live off her one Christmas song easily. Yes, and I hate that song. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. I hate it so much. So Straight No Chaser did, for a while, exist as the touring group and as the college group. And then the college group changed its name in 2012. Okay. To another round. Another round. (laughs) So kind of the sequel. Yes. The 1998 video that they made, it wasn't actually posted on YouTube until 2006 in April. Wow. And it was filmed on December 7, 1998 at the Musical Arts Center in Bloomington, Indiana. And it was a an adaptation of a 1968 comic arrangement of the song by Richard C. Gregory, who is a faculty member at the Wilston Northampton School for his acapella group, the Williston Catterwallers. Wow. Uh, Catterwallers. The Catterwallers. Catterwallers is not a a great name yeah, for Yeah, because Caterwauling is not yeah. singing well. Caterwauling is sounding like a cat in heat. Yeah. The thing about this version of The Twelve Days of Christmas is they mix in a couple of other songs, like I Have a Little Dreidel. 
Yep. And Africa by Toto. Yep. Which is so funny <laughs> when they slide into Africa. So fucking funny. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. On the twelfth day, my true love gave to me. Twelve drummers drumming like Olympus upon the Serengeti. Eleven pipers piping. Ten Here's here's the funny thing. I do not know. I do not remember what I was looking for on YouTube right. when I found Straight No Chaser. It probably had something to do with Christmas, but I'm not 100% yeah. sure. And I came across not this particular video from 1998, but a video from a Christmas special that they filmed, which I think was in 2008. I could be wrong. Um, that was filmed in New York. And we actually have that now. Because after the concert, I literally went and bought every other album that we didn't have yet and that Christmas special. Cool. I came across it and I'm like, what is this? I like the name, Straight No Chaser. I played that video and an obsession was more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, oh no, you guys have it all. <laughs> you yeah, well, guys have it they've, all. They've got great singers. They've got... Really good vocal percussionists, and they can mimic instrument sounds really well. Plus, they have dance routines, and they dress the part. I mean, they're like a whole package. And they'll present, too, especially during a live show. Each member coming out to introduce a song and do a little bit with the audience just to keep things going as they change the track or what have you, or get into position, change lighting and all that stuff. You know, vamp while they set up for the next song. So, yeah, yeah, very entertaining, very talented group. The CEO of Atlantic Records, Craig Kalman, was the one who wanted them. Oh. He saw the video. Uh-huh. He found out who posted it, who was Randy Stein, who was a member of Straight No Chaser. And he called them. He called Randy Stein and asked them if they would do a new album nice <laughs> so so they recorded a christmas album july 2008 eight of the original snc members which are dan pons randy stein charlie meckling steve morgan jerome collins dave roberts walter chase and michael itkoff along with new members mike lugan bill and ryan Allwart, recorded a christmas album holiday spirits yeah, a lot of their albums. Gym. I think all, no, no, do, all of them. All of them all have of them. drink references. Every it's single Richard Cheese does one. that too. Yeah. Every single one. Holiday Spirits. Yes. And after appearances in on a lot of different shows, on December 22nd, 2008, that album became the number one selling album, period, on both iTunes and the Amazon.com charts. That's insane. The number one selling album, period. Not wow. the number one selling Christmas album. The number one selling album. That is amazing. On that day. Generally, when the guys step down from the group, it's to spend more time with their family. Yeah, a lot of them are dads. So in August two thousand, August of 2009, uh, they did have a couple of guys. It was Michael Itkoff and Steve Morgan. They'd stepped down from the group. And they were replaced with Segi Isho, 
who is adorable, mm. who's originally from Rochester Hills, Michigan, and Tyler Tripp, who's originally from Urbandale, Iowa. And they, of course, were members of the collegiate group. Right. So that was when they taped the live concert special in New York, as in 2009. And it was aired for years on PBS Pledge Drives. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. So many. That so sounds many. like that kind of recording, that kind of performance. They would take the all the Christmas songs and, and do that special, but they also did six just pop songs during that concert, right. which they separated out and used for other times of the year when they were doing pledge drives. Nice. So they, they got a lot of mileage out of that. And then they also that year released their first EP called Six Pack. Guess how many <laughs> songs were on it? Six songs. Six songs. <laughs> Six song EP called Six Pack. Yep. And then they the next thing that they did on was November 3rd, 2009. They released their second Christmas album, Christmas Cheers. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. I approve of these buns. And then... They also released, in April 2010, their first non-Christmas album, which is With a Twist. Ah. <laughs> I like that, too, because it's a nice double entendre, too. It's like, hey, this is a drink reference, plus it's us not doing another Christmas album. Yep. So it's a twist. Yeah, they're, they're great at Christmas albums. They're great at everything. They're great at fucking everything. A twist. And... And that album does include a song featuring Barry Manilow. So that one does have, you know, accompaniment. Yeah, guest stars. Yep. Guest and, vocalists. Uh, in April 2010, they were on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon and did a TV theme song medley. Oh, that's fun. Which is on one of the albums. Um, yeah, the concert we saw, they did the movie, a movie soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that will get stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. Because it, it literally starts with, you know, them doing the the 20th Century Fox fan yep. fair. <laughs> but they put words to it, Yeah, they'll course. put words to theme songs or... That are instrumental, yeah. yeah. Musical score from yeah. film. You know, they'll play lyrics to something that originally didn't have them. Kind of like what Gene Roddenberry did with the Star Trek theme. Don't talk about that. <laughs> Stupidest fucking lyrics. Yep. Anyway. So, yeah, and the problem is, is that now it gets stuck in my head because it starts with there are dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Oh no, they just escaped. <laughs> the power went out, setting them all free. Run for your lives! Run for your lives! <laughs> There's a lot of yeah. Williams in that. Yeah, well, they Williams do, is very yeah, good at composing. Star Wars and Indiana Jones, yep. E.T., in mid-2010, they performed 40 shows, Holy not in one day, okay. at Harrah's Resort and Casino yeah. in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Oh. 
And then Dan Ponce decided to return to television journalism in Chicago. And so he was replaced by Don Nottingham. Mm. Their 2010 fall tour was a 75-city tour of the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. And it featured their box set titled All I Want for Christmas, which had their two holiday albums and the DVD of their PBS special Live in New York. And they strike me as a as a group that would benefit from being like a resident type artist. You know, I have a residency in like Las Vegas or something, so they didn't have to travel. Yeah. <laughs> have the fans go to them rather than, you know, they go from city to city. Well, even so, none of them are from Las yeah. Vegas, nope. so they would still be away well, from their families. That's what their Atlantic tour was, Atlantic City tour was. Was, it sounds like a residency. They don't usually just engage a group like that for one or two shows. Yeah. They'll give them a contract for X amount of shows. Yeah. Then they took a break from touring in 2011 and went back to Harrah's for a 52-show summer residency with yep. a show called Back to the Shore, Songs Through the Decades and More. Mm. Imagine they played Boardwalk a lot. <laughs> Probably. Under the Boardwalk. And then in October 2011, they released a follow-up to the six-pack EP with six-pack volume two. <laughs> Not 12-pack, because nope. that would be 12 no, songs. because 12 songs. And in December 2012, Ryan Allward left the group and Steve Morgan rejoined the group oh. the following month. Mm-hmm. Coming up, May 2013, they released their fourth album on Atlantic Records entitled Under the Influence. Yeah. The deluxe version of that album is actually 17 tracks long. Nice. They had eight songs which feature guest artists like Sarah Bareilles, Phil Collins, Elton John, Jason Mraz, Dolly Parton, Seal, Rob Thomas, and Stevie fucking Wonder. Well, they have the pull of Atlantic Records. Are they still under Atlantic Records at this point? Uh, We'll get there. Yeah, they have the pull of being under a major record label, plus they've got some swagger mm-hmm. with, you know, the popularity on YouTube and so forth. So, yeah, yeah, I can see why people might want to collaborate with them. And then they uh, released a holiday EP entitled Under the Influence Holiday Edition. And they have that annoying song by Paul McCartney with oh, yes. Paul McCartney. Right. Wonderful Christmas time. Yes. And then in 2014, they released a new Christmas track entitled Text Me Merry Christmas, featuring Kristen Bell. <laughs> yeah. Of The Good Place. Yes. Yep. And, and many and, other things. Yeah, Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars, yes. And they sang a song called Back Home Again in Indiana for the 99th running of the Indianapolis 500. Wow. Let's see here. No, they are still with Atlantic Records, by the way. So cool. a year later, in October 2016, they released I'll Have Another Christmas Album. <laughs> 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 and it's it's literally I'll Have Another Ellipses Christmas, Christmas Album. album. And in May 2017, Don Nottingham left to spend more time with his family. Then in 2018, they released One Shot. This album is interesting because it tells the group's story from 1996 to 2018 through song. It includes their interludes between each track where they are explaining, reminiscing about the highlights of the group's history. That's interesting. Yeah, it's lovely. 
actually. And then Dave Roberts left the group and was replaced by our very good friend, Jasper Smith. (laughs) I love Jasper. Jasper's great. He's the newest. Yeah, he joined right before the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, he joined in early 2020. Yeah. And the guys had a tour plan, and of course they couldn't execute that and Mm -hmm. poor jasper he was so excited and then everything got put on hold and then he got married and had a baby (laughs) and and now they're finally touring again and they did manage to record a new christmas album that they did call social christmasing yeah they did it remotely which is insane to me that, that's exactly it. They, none, there were not two of them even together in a yeah. room. Everybody did their tracks individually. And Crazy. whoever that mixer was at Atlantic Records, wow. Yeah. They did an amazing job because you would never know that they weren't in the same room together. Mm. There's a lot of bands that do that these days. VKN, yep. I know, does remote recording with folks she collaborates with. So, yep. Yeah. And then they went touring in late 2021, and I was really bummed that they were not coming to Utah. And then they announced another spring tour, and Ogden was on the list. Yeah. Not Salt Lake City. I know. Ogden, Ogden hardly gets anybody. Yeah. We get them on the tail end of their career, if anything. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Yep. Indeed. But so. yeah, it was cool that they came to Ogden. Yeah, they they also do have a six pack volume three, and there is another EP called Open Bar as well. <laughs> nice. Everything they do is brilliant. <laughs> just yeah, it just fucking is. Here's another great thing: when they did a remix of the Twelve Days of Christmas on Holiday Spirits, the tenth anniversary edition. Uh-huh. They included way more Jewish stuff. That's fun. Yeah, so when they go into Africa, and it's on the 12th, they my true love gave to me 12 dreidel spinning like Olympus. <laughs> anyway, it was um it was great. And they they have in fact sometimes written their own songs and arrangements cuz oh, there's this fun. one song that is probably one of my favorite Christmas songs that they've done that's just called Indiana Christmas and it is just beautiful it's a beautiful beautiful song and I remember those who are gone looking down on my home from above deep in December is where I belong sharing the days with the ones who I Even good with comedy writing and stuff because they do a video package for the tour. Yes. And they're doing one coming out of the pandemic and not being able to socialize with one another anymore. <laughs> they're just kind of looking at each other and just go to their phones, go to their screens and start texting. It's like, so um, the weather, right? Uh, yeah, I guess it's pretty warm. And then to the phones. <laughs> Than with one of them being the new dad and treating everybody else like children. Okay, you're off key. Go, uh, oh, you're time out. You <laughs> should see the entire band sitting down in time out. Yeah, the two guys that were going to add dance moves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're 
stepping up their uh, choreography. If you want to visit their website, it's sncmusic.com. And I I did get me a straight no chaser shirt. It's very glittery. It is very glittery. It's navy and it's got silver foil sort of logo on it. They had it in lady cut. So I really appreciate it. Well, they have a good amount of lady fans. Yes. And fans of all ages. Yep. Because at the concert, we had two women who were 60, 70 years old, Mm -hmm. if they were a day, in front of us. (laughs) And then we had a guy with his, you know, like, what was she, maybe four or five years old? Four or five years old, yep. She was in the aisle dancing. And just, they just run the gamut. Male, female, Mm -hmm. all ages, all types of people. Yeah, lots of different types of people. They just appeal to so many. Yeah. It's like people in suits, people in leather pants, and animal print. It is, I love... Finally, having been able to see them in concert because they do this great thing where they introduce everybody in the band and also what they do mm-hmm. and give them an example, give you an example of what they do. Because, you know, you've got your tenors and you've got your baritones and you've got your basses and you've got your vocal percussionist. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. They have good fun ribbing each other. They're never mean to each other, really. It's pretty funny when what, one of the tenors calls the other one Twilight. Right, Twilight. (laughs) Well, that that would have been Jerome, because Jerome is the one black man Mm -hmm. currently in (laughs) Straight No Chaser. Yeah. Well, when they did that mashup of Billie Jean and Poison. Oh, my God. That girl is poison. That was some number. Yeah. They're really good at mashups. They're really good at everything. When the show started, after the video, and they all came out and actually did singing, which was great, immediately I'm like, wait, is that a drum beat? And they're like, no, that's the vocal percussionist, Brandy. He's just that good. Uh, yeah. They said after that, they're like, hey, we're so glad you're here. You know, if you guys want to take pictures, you know, a lot of times they'll say, don't take pictures. Yep. No, we want you to take pictures. Take pictures. Take video. Film, take video. Yeah. Live stream the whole thing if you want. Just share it on social media. Mm. And so we did that. I was trying desperately to get this, the whole song in, but I did film them doing Proud Mary. Because they did it the Tina way. Uh (laughs) And it was so good. And so we're going to put that up on the the page for people to enjoy. Because I think they're just fucking brilliant. They are in that indeed. They're entertaining and you're never bored. The show was really great. Like I said, the presentations from each member. So you get to find out more about them and their role in the group. And like... Having a number specifically for the bass to sing. Mm-hmm. It's all about the bass. Yeah. No tenors. That's <laughs> so great. So it's it's educational, too, because they'll stop and they'll break down what the song's about or, you know, how they got together or what their position is in the music and how it all flows together. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yep. It was a joyous experience. Loved every second of it. Yeah. Um, having fun choreography, especially during the theme music, you know, the movie score. Yes. Uh, medley that they they do uh, chariots of fire, so they run in slow motion. Yep. Have you seen this movie? I guess would be no. <laughs> <laughs> but you know this theme song. <laughs> when people run slow. <laughs> not a great movie <laughs> nah i was bored out of my mind it's, during that movie yeah. oh I, i'm watching a bunch of white men train mm, for running i don't care oh it's a movie about a british track team what yeah okay. bunch of white men oh goody more yeah. of that more mm. of that even as a kid i'm like really more white men <laughs> uh so yeah, they're very personable, and I did tweet part of the video on Twitter. They won't let you do the full video. Right. We can on Facebook because it's under four minutes, but I did tweet as much of it as I could. And and Randy, Randy Stein, the aforementioned Randy Stein, personally liked my tweet. That's nice. As well as the SNC Twitter account. So I was like, oh my God, they know I exist. <laughs> They'll forget, but they know right mm-hmm. now that I exist. And that nice. is enough for me. Their Christmas music is the majority of what I listen to during mm-hmm. Christmas. Right. Because they're just so fucking good. True acapella there, folks. Yeah. Yeah. How many in the group usually? Nine? Uh, ten. Ten? Is usually what it is. They were touring with nine when they came here. Yeah, I knew they were one short. Yes. And Still sounded great. Of course they did. They're, they're, it's hard to believe that they can do that. It was kind of nice with the nine, too, because it could split up into groups of three and things like that. So it made blocking interesting. Yes. So, yeah, absolutely. if you get the chance to see Straight No Chaser live, just take it. Yeah, take very entertaining. It. You will have a great time. Yeah, they, they also, very much engage with the audience. Yeah, they also have a book that is full of drink and snack recipes. <laughs> We've got some merch. We've got a book for some reason, but it's out there. I think they have a cookbook. Yeah, that's that's. it's not a cookbook. It's oh, Well, is it, it is a cookbook, but it's drinks and recipes. Right. And, Stuff like that. So, and anecdotes. But I just adore them. I'm so happy that I finally got to see them live. Yeah, very cool. And if they come to Utah again, yeah, I'll drive to Salt Lake, but I hope they come to Ogden because, man, it was amazing to walk out of that theater, drive six blocks, and walk into our house. Yep. No on ramps, no off ramps, no merging. Yep. Plus, the seats were better in there mm-hmm. than they are in. Okay, Eccles Theater, I think you're a beautiful, beautiful theater, but your seating fucking sucks. Well, you need a better font for your tickets, for one thing. No, I'm talking, oh, you're about, talking about Eccles. Eccles. Oh, in Salt Lake City, right? Yes. Yeah, here at the Egyptian, their tickets, it's hard to tell if it's a C or a G. Yes, and for people who can't read up close, it's even more of a challenge. Yeah. I don't care about that, but it, because their seats had enough leg room and they were well cushioned. Yep. I cannot say the same for Eccles Theater on either count. Yeah, I prefer where we ended up seating. Yeah, it was perfect because we were basically eye level with the guys. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have to crane our necks to see no, them. No, we did not. 
So it was fabulous. So straight no chaser. Uh, you will hold a place of honor in my heart for all time. Nice. May you always have new members mm-hmm. to fill in your ranks and continue the glorious tradition of naming your albums after drinks and or drinking practices. And I think it's good that they changed the name of the collegiate group. So they would be two different entities. Yes. But still be like a talent pool mm-hmm. where, you know, you could promote people into the touring uh, group. Yes. Yes. But not have confusion between the two groups because they had the same name. It's like one's named one thing, one name's another. That makes a lot more sense. Indeed. And and that was pretty much the impetus on doing that because mm-hmm. it was getting confusing. Yeah. It's like, which straight no chaser are we seeing? And it's like, well, we're going to see another round or we're going to see a straight... Like the straight new chaser show. Yeah. Anything else to talk about? This uh, acapella group. Um, I just I love bass. I love the basses. I love the basses too. Um, I've I've always been a person who gravitates more towards lower voices yeah. as a general rule. Yeah. Probably because I have a lower voice, mm-hmm. especially for a female. Like I can sing tenor pretty much. Right. So when the basses get to shine, that makes me really happy. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. And they they get to do that, too, during one of the Christmas songs, which is You're a Mean One, Mr. Bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They let the bass handle that one. <laughs> so. You're a vile one, Mr. Grinch. You have termites in your smile. You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile, Mr. Grinch. Mr. 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 Grinch. They had one where I swear five or six of them got solos. I don't know what song that was, but it was like somebody would step out and do a few bars and then somebody else would step out and do a few bars. And then there was like a rap breakdown. It's like, I don't know this song, but they're having the time of their lives up there. Yes. Well, it's on one of the albums. Yeah. So it's like one of the recent like club hits, mm-hmm. kind of a pop dance song that I just don't know. Be fun to get an acapella goth group, gothapella, but no such thing exists as far as I can tell. <laughs> Unless it's a very small group somewhere that hasn't released anything. So well, and the thing is, you got to get the rights to the songs, mm-hmm. yeah. or write your own. Yeah, both are kind of difficult. That's yeah, that's the difficulty of doing covers and stuff is get the the performance rights yep. to the song i wonder if there's bands out there that do like stephen king does with the dollar babies it's like send me a dollar yeah you can do whatever you want with my song oh uh. that's what he did with a lot of his books to turn them into films which is why there's so many <laughs> stephen king based films out there yeah all right i guess we're uh, kind of toning down here so shall we have some shout outs Hey, my shout out is to Ignore That Door. It's a creepy industrial band that followed me fairly recently on Twitter and has been sharing my albums of the day, discussing music and other things. So it's been fun. Just picked up some music through email by them as well. So potentially in a future episode, I might be able to uh, feature a song. So we'll see as a dark track. Cool beans. Mm-hmm. 
my shout out, even though I've already shouted out, is to Randy Stein at Randy Stein on Twitter. (laughs) Because it was just really sweet of him to actually notice that I tweeted. Nice. And also, he's one of my favorites of the group. (laughs) That's also nice. So, plus his name rhymes with mine. Mine? Mine. Oh. Randy. Randy. Brandy. (laughs) Randy, Brandy, Stein, mine. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. That was rhyme. I'm so tired. Mm. And stuffed up. So, yeah. All right. So, uh, I guess get to the tarot again sometime in April. Sweet. Yep. Talk about the tower. So, oof. Do, do, do. Do, do, do. So that'll be a fun one to do a music special for, which I should probably start working on building that playlist. Yeah. Out, out of all of the cards, that is the one I really don't want to see. Yeah, the tower is the... Uh, the worst. Yeah. It's the worst. Bring up the death, the devil, or, you know, there's all these other cards, but yeah. Ten of Swords is pretty bad, but tower... Tower takes the cake. It is... <clears throat> In many respects, quite literally, the 9-11 of the tarot cards. Because mm-hmm. that's pretty much what it represents. Yeah. Is that kind of scenario. So, anyhow, I guess we'll end there. And we'll be back next month with the tower, possibly. <laughs> As something else comes up. Tower. Tower. Bye! Bye! You have been listening to the Dark Corner Podcast with me, Brandy, and also David Jackola. Follow me on Twitter at BrandyWine12. Brandy is spelled with an I. Dave is at DarkCornerCast. We have a group and a fan page on Facebook. Both are at the Dark Corner Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcasts Boldly Go, a Strange New Worlds podcast, The Vedic Assembly, a Deep Space Nine podcast, and What the Future Holds, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. You can see me discuss Star Trek Live on the Unready Room and the Kurt Ratz Productions YouTube channel. Kurt Ratz is Star Trek spelled backwards. I host my own podcast, Headcanon, wherein I guide you through the mazes of my mind. The Dark Track was offered for free as a promotional item or submitted by the artist or artist representative. The opening track is unbelievable as covered by Batavia. The closing track is At Last The End as covered by Cat Temper. All other music is used for illustrative purposes and no infringement of copyright is intended. Please subscribe, rate, and review the Dark Corner Podcast on Anchor.fm. And thank you for allowing us the time to keep you in the dark.